0: You know, when, when I first uh, discovered this psalm, you know, we, we have anchor points in our life, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, this is one of those anchor points in my life. Another one was uh, Isaiah 55. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one, I recall, I was getting ready to... Uh, uh, make a trip to uh, Sonora, Mexico, on a short-term mission. And just everything in my life was going sideways. And I reflected, even though everything in my life was going sideways, I reflected about where I was and where i come from. And I read, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise for our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. And I reflected on, on my own salvation in that moment, in that the place that God met me was a place of, it was pretty dark, and it was pretty mucky and miry, and I could just imagine uh, the psalmist here, and this happens to be a psalm of David, writing that. You know, David went through those dark times in life. And in those dark times, it was what he knew to be true about God that helped him through. And so that's what we're in the process of doing today. We're looking at Ephesians, and we want to understand who God is, what he's doing, and what that means personally to us, right? And when I read that... um, I'm just encouraged and then as we were reading through I got to uh, verses 6, uh, 7 and 8 and I reflected forward to the New Testament because you read those in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 those, those verses where uh, the author of Hebrews is making the case that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take sins away but rather what What Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, came to do was to take the offense of sin away forever and to not just cover over that sin, but to actually appease the righteous anger of God against sin and also to work in the reconciliation of us with God. He actually paid the penalty of that sin. And you read that, says, Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Now, when we look at truth from the Old Testament, we understand this was written before Jeremiah actually gave us revelation of the New Covenant. But the New Covenant is different than the old covenant in that God actually writes his law in our heart and that we know him personally and that our sins are forgiven, right? So if you read Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, that's exactly what it says. And David's writing this before it happens and he's also writing in the prophetic voice where he's talking about one who would come behold I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me and he's also in the prophetic voice telling us that these, the types of sacrifices that people were doing even those ordained by God in the, in the old covenant sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. so if you know about that meal offering that's an offering where we, we make an offering to God it's about uh, thankfulness and God's provision And if you look at the burnt offering and the sin offering, that's an offering about atonement, the burnt offering, and an atonement about purification, cleansing, the sin offering. And yet, that's not required. What is required is to know God in His Son. And that's what, when we get to Ephesians, that's what Ephesians is about. What is, you know, I I just said, well, that's what it's about. Where is the um, organizational verses that we would see in in Ephesians? How is it organized, and what's the the primary theme of Ephesians? Sit, walk, stand. Pardon? Sit, walk, stand. Sit, walk, stand. So we want to sit in our identity in Christ, right? We want to walk in that, that that identity in Christ should inform us, and, and we're going to unpack today what identity in Christ means, should inform us in how we actually behave in the point how we walk. You walk,
1: no matter what, here you are, whenever you walk anywhere, you walk as who you are. Correct. Right. You can't walk as someone you're not. So however you're walking, that is you. That's right. So if you in Christ, then
0: walk in a manner worthy of Right. right. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, is that calling, that, that uh, election in Christ. That we have, that identity in Him that we have, and um, that there, there are three aspects to that. We're going to look at verses three through um, eight minimally uh, today, and hopefully a little bit more. But that's exactly right. And then finally, after we understand our identity in Christ and we walk that out in our life, finally we take a stand. Right? We read in Ephesians. Um, six, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies and yeah. the spiritual realm therefore take the full armor of God that you'll be able to stand in the evil day and having done all, stand fast you hold your ground and that's, we, get, we get to that point in our, our walk as a Christian where we need to take a stand We need to dig in and not give ground, right? No matter what the forces of the enemy bring against us. And we have, we're not alone in that. We have those that are with us in that battle. We also have the armor of God. So when we get to that part about standing, Paul's going to give us some specific revelation about that. So if I was to pick a thematic verse... For Ephesians, it would be chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. We do that with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So a lot is packed into that. But we want to walk worthy... Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So we need to know our position in Christ. We need to know our identity. And then we want to walk that. And as Daniel said, um, you can kind of organize it as sit, walk, stand, right? So let me get down here. <clears throat> and this is this is the way that we're approaching it organizationally. We're going to talk about our identity in Christ the first three chapters and in many ways you can view the first three chapters of Christ as a prayer it's Paul's prayer and in in that sense he's like the worship leader he wrote this to a a congregation of believers a local church and it was read by many local churches and some think it was a circular letter I made the case that I think it was uh, to a specific body and then became circulated later And that, um, in that, he's leading them in worship. And a lot of what we do in worship is about declaring the truth that God has revealed to us. About who he is, what he's up to, and what that means to us. Right? So, that's what we're going to see. And I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, verses 3 through 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. And then we'll start taking taking it apart. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end that we, who were first to hope in Christ, would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with the view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. <clears throat> so I read through that. What are the the things that popped off the page for you? Daniel? Um, the praise of His glory. The praise of His glory. For the reason why we're, He calls us. For the mm-hmm. reason why we're, we have the opportunity to
1: be forgiven for <clears> the, <throat> Yeah. so that the, the same rulers and authorities in, in the heavenly places that are battled against are the same and some of the same that will see the praise of
0: his glory of
1: us being uh, saved
0: so we see something of the purpose in what God is doing um, that this results in the praise of his glory
1: like where every all the other
0: created beings will just be like whoa yeah <laughs> So, yeah, that's, that's the praise part, is, whoa, <laughs> yeah. and, you, and that's an amazing word, you know, um, it's like wow, it's, uh, it, it, it is a, uh, a proclamation of awe, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what that means, there's a proclamation of awe among those who are, are blessed, chosen, predestined about what God is doing in their life in redemption. Right? That's that proclamation of awe about the glory of God that he would even do that. That's amazing. What other kinds of things popped off the page for you? So why I just
1: saw <clears throat> all the stuff that he is doing <clears throat> long list of things he's done for
0: us there's a long list of things what What are some of the list of those things that, let's, let's uh, take a look at that in um, fact that this is a great place to start so when I look at the long, long list of things um, three popped off the page and I just said them um, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And, and this is a fun sentence because you see the same word used in, in three different ways. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Right? So blessing is one of those things that God has done. What is blessing? Blessing. What does that mean? What does the word blessing mean? Or blessed? Been given provision. even um, I think it's more than provision. I think provision is one of the blessings that we we experience from God. So Just something to give for no reason. Finding, finding reason. favor? Finding favor. So the way uh, you know what In American uh, vernacular, we say, God bless you, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
0: In Australian vernacular, they say, good on you, mate, (laughs) right? It's the idea of God's goodness, his person, being actually um, communicated personally to you. So God is blessed. He is the author of all good. And he blesses us. So the actual presence of God with us is the blessing. So we go back to the covenant of Abraham. And I'll get to you here in a second, Debbie. The covenant of Abraham uh, starts out... Uh, there are three parts of that covenant. That God will have a people... And that they will reside in a place that he provides for them. That there will be a kingdom... So God will have citizens in a kingdom and that the final piece of that is that he'll, his presence will be with them. People place presence. That's the mnemonic I use to remember the, the Abrahamic covenant. That presence is the blessing of the nations. It is God's very presence with his people. And we understand when you we read that covenant at the beginning. First, we read about the the uh, union of God with His creation in Adam, and that I say that union. There was a com, co, communion that occurred, and that Adam walked and talked with God, and God gave him uh, a delegated responsibility in His kingdom. So there was God's person and God's place functioning as God designed him. And in that, Adam did exactly according to his design. He named the animals. That's an incredible task. And I think you were pointing out that that's pretty awesome because in order to name the animals, he had to actually know the animals. It's like, um, why is that called a lion? Why do we use lion as an example of fierceness right and and protection you know the the fierceness of the the female lion for her cubs right we understand that and the word lion describes that so adam in work walking in communion with god named the animals he was a steward of the garden was in communion with god and when that was broken that was a tragic thing but god immediately He went looking for Adam. Where are you? Right? So God's grace, because of the loss of blessing, because of the loss of presence, was immediately displayed. God's character, gracious character, goes after Adam. Right? And then we see that progression throughout uh, the, the covenants with Adam, the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham, and I evidently I'm a covenant theologian because you're sitting here <coughs> to me spew out these covenants. That covenant with Abraham was important because it described um, this blessing. It described what that was about. Now, you probably lost what you were going to ask, Debbie. I'm
1: just going to say the obvious, um, but I think it's um, blessed us in Christ so what does that mean, I mean, in Christ, and because of the gospel? I mean, that's spiritual. the key. And then the other thing is, I just heard somebody say, well, somebody, John Piper, is that the
0: keyword every spiritual book, or every, what is yes. it? Mm-hmm. Um, every. That is spiritual. crazy. It is crazy. And, and this, in Christ, is very, very, very important. Um, The phrase, in Christ, is not unique to Paul, but Paul uses it a lot. He uses it over, I think, 160 times in his letters. He uses it 36 times in just this one letter. So, understanding who you are in Christ is really important. And that this blessing is in Christ. So, we need to understand that the blessing isn't something God gives us, rather it's God being personally with us. That's what that in Christ means. That the spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in in that spiritual realm for us to have any spiritual life at all that life comes from the author of life who came from heaven to earth to save us to make a way, to make a bridge for us to go from heaven to earth. To go from uh, a fallen, separated creature into restored communion with God. He redeemed us. And we. Daniel? I was
1: going to ask if, uh, if every spiritual blessing, then, is he referring to then, uh, the, the people, place, and relationship spiritually then, like uh, as far as being in the kingdom of God with a relationship with God uh, forever?
0: I mean, what Right. there would be no other part? So um, it's very easy. So the the nations, the Gentiles, um, they practiced similar practices to the descendants of Abraham, right? They had gods, And they worshipped those gods. And they made sacrifices to those gods. But their sacrifices were such that their life, as they understood it, would be blessed. That they would receive something from God. Not that they would actually be with God himself. Right? So they wanted a God that would um, give them fertility, that would bless their crops, um, that would keep the horde from the... Nearby community at bay, um, but they didn't actually want God with them. They just wanted God for them. Right?
1: Cosmic vending machine.
0: Pardon? Yeah, cosmic vending machine. That's the way I I view it. You know, we go up to the, the vending machine, it's got the Coke that we want. Whatever flavor that is Diet Coke, Coke Zero, Coke Classic, Coke Modern, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> and you put in your used to put in your quarter now you put in your you're
1: credit card
0: and it bends that coke and you walk away you make your sacrifice and it gives you your coke and you're done that isn't what the blessing of God is that's not what um, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in that realm of reality that is spirit, in Christ. Thank you. Isn't that amazing. Yeah. And that that blessing is in Christ, and that that blessing is. So I was I was going to John uh, chapter one, where what is the mission that Jesus came for? So that we do, well, come from, not the well for, is to uh, I would to think Father it's the same mission regardless of where you go. To proclaim the, <laughs> yeah. uh, to show uh, the world the Father
1: so that we would know the Father and, mm-hmm. new
0: and it's more than just knowing the Father mm-hmm. and understanding. It's actually knowing the Father in relationship, in communion. Because I can know something about something and take a test and say, yep, I know this about that. Right? But that's different than actually having a part in it. Right? And what what we know that Jesus, and, and sure enough, you're quoting in uh, John chapter 1, verse 18: no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. Right? So where is Christ? He's in In the Father. And he's not just in the Father. He is intimately entwined with the Father. He is of the same essence. Right? So here is the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, of the same essence of the Father. He has explained him. And we know that also, from a few verses before that, speaking about the same one, says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right, so it's talking about this one, the Christ, who is Jesus, the man. Right? And that he helps us understand who God is, but it's more than just understanding who God is. He wants us to not just go in and take the test and say, yep, God's a spirit, and uh, he's got three uh, manifestations of that spirit, and Father, Son, the Holy Holy, Duke, Holy Spirit, and, you know, all these different things, and he's omnipotent and omniscient, and, you know, we can take the test, and we can pass it. That's not the same thing as knowing God. Rather, what he wants us to do is he wants us to actually be in communion with him. So when I look at John uh, chapter 1, and I read that... Uh, he was encountering those that would uh, become his closest friends in this world, disciples. And there was a couple, one by the name of John, one by the name of Andrew, um, that came, they were with John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, no, 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 that's the one, This this is the Lamb of God, the one who has come to take away the sin of the world. That's the one you should be listening to. And so John and Andrew said, well, okay. And they start following Jesus. And if you know the story, um, Jesus stops when they start following him. It's like, I can just imagine. It's like they're kind of, you know, lurking back, wondering, who is this guy? What's he up to? And Jesus stops, and he turns around, and he says, what do you want? And what's their answer? We want to know where to where staying. Basically, they were asking for his pedigree. They're saying, who's your daddy? I want to know what your house is about. And Jesus said, why don't you come and see? And he invites them in with him. And in the course of a meal and an evening spent with Jesus, they come to know that he is indeed the Lamb of God, the one who is the Christ. And then they go and they make disciples, and I'll get to you here in a second, or they go, um, Peter goes to, uh, or Andrew goes to his brother Simon who becomes Peter and uh, James uh, goes uh, John goes to James and they end up bringing in their friends and Philip comes into play and Philip gets Nathaniel and Nathaniel um, is sitting there under a tree and Philip says you know we found the Messiah and Nathaniel says really? where? yeah Galilee? Can anything good come out of Galilee? Galilee? Right? And so, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so he says, well, come and see. So, Nathanael comes, and this is what Jesus says. You know, he he tells him about himself. Right? Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. When did he see Nathaniel it tells us in Ephesians before the foundation. that's right before anything had been created he saw Nathaniel. he knew that moment in, the, in, in history which is part of creation would come to be and that Nathaniel would have an opportunity of communion with him and that, that made God light up. Right. In fact, that glory was profound. Right. That everybody who saw that glory of God before the foundation of the world, redeeming this man, having this plan of redemption, went, whoa, in awe. The praise of his glory. That's what was going on. So he, he sees him and uh, says, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So in that moment, Nathanael gets it. It's like, wow. But Jesus goes on. He says, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man what he's doing is he's making an allusion to Old Testament um, the calling of Jacob right? so Jacob the deceiver the one who stole his brother's birthright and then stole his brother's blessing takes off because his brother wants to kill him and he's on the run and he comes to a place called later it becomes called Bethel which means house of God and he stops there for the night when he's on a run, and he has a vision in a dream. Sometimes we call it Jacob's ladder. In his vision, he saw the gates of heaven opened, and the angels ascending and descending on this, this ladder, this bridge between heaven and earth. But there was a difference. At the end of Jacob's dream, heaven closed its doors. That ladder that Jacob saw was not the eternal ladder it was a, a prophetic vision of what was going to happen and what Jesus says after this you're going to see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man and the, the word for uh, that, seeing the heavens opened is in a tense that means that when that those doors that gate of heaven is opened. it's a one time event with uh, a lasting action the doors stay open and that that bridge between heaven and earth remains and that that bridge is in fact the son of man and we know that Jesus what did he claim when he was on trial before the high priest they said we adjure you by the living God Tell us, are you the Christ or not? You have
1: said so yourself. That's
0: what he said. He said, just as you say, you said it. That you'll see one coming. But after this, you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. And that's, what, that's that allusion to Daniel chapter 7. Right? That is what Jesus is saying. He is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. He is the bridge between heaven and earth. He is the way of communion. So that's what that means to be in Christ. That you are actually um, in relationship with him such that his life is your life. And his death for your redemption is your death. And that's what baptism represents. right? Mm -hmm. We are baptized into Christ's death. And raised into his life. So, as Baptists, we believe in immersion. This is why we believe in immersion. Because sprinkling doesn't do the same thing as being dumped under the water, where you're actually below the surface. Right? That means something. You're identifying yourself with the very death of Christ. And you are raised in him into eternal life. So that phrase, in Christ, is really, really, really important. And Paul's going to use it 36 times in the course of this letter. This being the second. This is written to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And we have these spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. So the blessing is Christ himself. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The blessing is Christ. Then he goes on to say, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. What, what pops off the page on that verse? Pardon? Blameless. That will be holy and blameless. How can we be holy and blameless? I know me. For the workings of Christ. That's right. I'm not holy and blameless, but there is one who is holy and blameless. So if 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 I'm evaluated on myself and my merit, yeah. That's not happening. But if I'm evaluated on the one who is holy and blameless, If I'm, uh, when I appear before the judge, and sure enough, there is, if you are a creature, there is a creator. And because of the nature of creator and creature, the creature has an accountability to the creator. That's just the way it is. (coughs) I can't create life, but I can do creative things. Right, So um, I'll use a, a painting as an example. I'm not a painter, but say I was. And I painted a painting. How does that painting have an accountability to me? If it sucks, you throw it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> very its very existence depends upon me. And if, if I look at it and say, man, that's bad. <laughs>
1: Those by the numbers aren't what they used
0: to be yeah those numbers don't, don't fit anymore right? those colors have grown old and faded in that sense that, that creation is accountable to the creator Paul? following up on the idea of the painting
1: the, the painter has the right to change the painting they can choose to Paint somebody out. You choose to paint somebody in. I've seen a you know know what the uh, Michelangelo's Last Supper looks like. I've seen a a revision of that, where instead of seeing the twelve apostles there, you see like a Maasai from Kenya. Uh, a Quechua from Peru or Bolivia, mm-hmm. somebody from Polynesia. You know, they're the ones who are at the table with him, and it's the writer or the, in that case, the painter is picking on something familiar, but he's saying or kind of saying, "This is what heaven's going to look like."
0: Right, and that there is there is. The presence of God in heaven, and all the nations will be there.
1: Daniel. And uh, the thing that's really awesome to me is that, like, he knew um, Zach right, or under the victory. Yeah. yeah. He knew him. He didn't just know he was there, but knew him from the foundation of the before the foundation of the world. Like he knows. Yes. He knows us. Like. More
0: than we know ourselves, and everything, and yet he has chosen, even though he knows us like that, to to um, make a way of salvation for us, which is awesome. Yeah, and if, if you look at what what uh, Jesus says when he walks up to Nathaniel, he says, "Here is uh, an Israelite in whom is no guile," right? And and basically, he's saying, "Here is a Jacob in whom is no Jacob, the deceiver." Uh. Uh. And and so that how could how could he have known that except that he actually truly knew the heart of Nathaniel, and and Nathaniel recognizes that it's like whoa dude how can you make that statement how do you know me and and that that's that's our God he knows every word that's on our tongue before we speak it he knows every moment of our life before we live it and, and the amazing thing is is not only does he know all that but he chooses us from before the foundation of the world that's so what it says here he chooses us in him before the foundation of the world so knowing everything that God knows, He still desires us. So I know that myself, I have no value in myself. My value in this world is made up of about 25 cents in chemicals. No, seriously. You know, if I, if I look at only that which is, um, uh, that you can evaluate, In this world. That's it. I may do some good things from time to time. I may do some bad things from time to time. But when it comes down to what I really have to offer. I have no no value. But what God does by choosing us. Is he places the value of Christ in us. That's what that means. He chooses us. In him, so that would be according to the foundation
1: to his, of the world. Pardon? According to his riches and glory, that would be that that he's giving us the value of Christ. Right. It's not like, oh, I'm going to give you some value, but this is all I got, I need to keep some value. It's like, according to
0: him right. being so great that he has all this value, he's going to give us this value Yep. according to. it, It's of infinite value. Christ. And you know that because anybody, I mean, you if you watch movies, right, you get to the scene in a movie, of, of drama. Where somebody is bargaining for their life. They want another moment. They want to, to have that which is the ultimate uh, of loss in this world stayed. They don't want to die. Right? They bargain for their life. That's the infinite value. What would a man give for his life? Unless he knows that he has eternity. Safe in Christ, He would give everything that He owns. And it wouldn't be enough. That's how infinitely valuable your life is. That God would die for you to get you from a place where you are totally, utterly lost and bring you into the blessedness, the richness of who He is. That's amazing. That value that he just placed on you by choosing you is another wall. Mm -hmm. We are in awe of the glory of one whose heart is so good and so pure and so loving that would choose us knowing everything that is going to transpire. Knowing about our rejection of him that we would scream out crucify him I want no part in the man I don't know him I don't know him and yet he would restore such a one because he's placed that much value on us this is our identity this is who our God is this is what it means to be in Christ Christ every single one of us here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world for a purpose. God does not choose without some reason for his choice. Caleb? would it be accurate to say that our value...
1: Then we are valuable because he chose us not because I lost it <laughs> then we are valuable because
0: he chose us and he didn't choose us because we are valuable yes and and another way of, of thinking about that this is kind of nuanced um, where our value is because he chose us not because we were chosen huh uh, think about it yeah <clears throat> So, I'm, I used to play uh, flag football, and we do pickup games, right? So um, you have two, two uh, team captains, and they're picking from a, a line of guys, right? I always hated to be last one day, right? But you know, somebody's got to be last. Somebody's got to be first. When that captain chooses the person, whether it's the first or the last. He is, he is valuing them. It's not because they're first or last. It's not because they're chosen. It's because of the captain. That he values them. Huh. So
1: then the person who's chosen puts value upon themselves for being chosen first or last,
0: however. That's right. Because that's a very human thing to do. Yeah. We think, dude, I'm number one. Yeah. right? It's like, No. Dude, he's number one. (laughs) That's what it is. So the ones he doesn't choose have no value? Pardon?
1: The ones he doesn't choose have no value?
0: (laughs) Are there those that are not chosen? That is the question. Um, This is where we struggle. Seriously, what election means, and if it's Mm -hmm. totally God's doing, then, and we know that some are lost, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoop. Went right past it there. Okay. So, in the order of salvific defense.
1: Mm-hmm. Salvific? Yeah.
0: So, I wanted to work that Salific. into conversation somehow today. <laughs> salvific. Um, the order of salvific defense, it's salvation defense. Salvi-
1: okay. <laughs> yeah. it, starts with,
0: it starts with election. Yeah. God's choosing. It starts with God's choosing. Okay. But we know that not all are saved. How do we know that? Because there would be some that say, no, no, no. I'll finally figure out how to make it to God. You know, you got all these roads. Or they reject yeah. him. Yeah. Or they reject him by their choice. Hmm.
1: If all are saved,
0: then they're not to be saved. So, so <clears throat> is one of the questions I would say is, okay, all are not saved. And I know that because the Bible tells me so. So, I can trust the Bible. I've made that decision. The Bible is trustworthy and authority. And that I can understand it. Right? The Bible tells me not all are saved. Some are lost. Alan?
1: I, I know that this is a... It, it's kind of a, a theological version of a chicken and egg question. <laughs> because the... But when Jesus is preaching to the crowds, he's offering to everybody. He knows not everybody will respond. Right Now, there are some who are predestined to, be, to not make it, but we don't know who they are. Right. We have no idea who those people are. Right. And when, when Jesus offers a choice... He's always offering a real choice. Even yes. in the ones who are going to turn him down. He's offering the choice. Absolutely. Can't bear
0: this that, the that, that free will is not inhibited um, through predestination.
1: He, he always acts as if it's a real choice. Yep. So it has to be. But he knows he's going to say yes and it won't.
0: Right. And that would have to do with foreknowledge. And so we haven't got, we're, we're at the first sticky point. Election, We haven't gotten to predestination and foreknowledge and that issue yet. But you're absolutely correct in that um, that choice or that choosing, that valuing of God's creation, um, God values his creation. Even the pots that are made for destruction are valuable in God's economy. That's a pretty scary thought. It's like, I don't want to be a pot made for destruction. I want to be a bother. Right? Yeah. I want to be a beautiful flower vase. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Whatever. You know, thinking of the potter analogy. Uh, and yet, the potter analogy is used, and there are vessels that are for honor, and there are vessels that are for dishonor. And God made it so. But what I will say is that all of those vessels have value in God's economy because he created them. So that means that even people that don't believe have value. Yes. In fact, they're so valuable that he wants them to believe. That he died for them. Yes. And in that sense, God chose us in him before the foundation of the world for a purpose that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intentions of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved, in Christ. Right? So grace is in Christ. Blessing is in Christ. uh, Adoption is in Christ. Right? And what we understand is that in him we have redemption. Now, God chooses he says I want you to be saved <coughs> is it possible for me to, to, to say you may choose that you may have called me onto your team but I'm going to be on this team over here
1: yeah because if, if you know all things God and you already know you're saved, I'm going to be saved I'm not going to believe in
0: you so that way I'll trust you and so uh, that way I'll have free will the answer is no Does it, the answer is no why? Because God chose you. So, you can't God God's does God's choosing of you have to do with his foreknowledge that you are not going to choose him, or choose, you are going to choose him, or is it God's coercion that when you're chosen, you will say, Yay! Yeah, I'm on the team! Right? He knows your heart. He knows your heart. That's true. He, he understands you. He knows you from before the foundation of the world. And him choosing you does not have an effect. Does not well, it has an effect, but it doesn't mean that you're going to believe in him if he chooses you. If he becomes very clear to you. You can still not choose him back. Right. Yeah. I I think that that is true. It is possible for people to not choose God even though He has chosen them. Right. Don't think so. I don't think <laughs> so. Well, I, I, extreme think, extreme I think extreme. it's I think it's nuance of word how we address it. <laughs> well, I And, I, that, I, I, and I, that if if it was uh, not possible, then where is is free will?
1: So it's really free, to me, free will is
0: in our perspective. Okay, expand on that. Just it's
1: in our perspective we have free will. God sees all. He knows which way
0: you're going to go. Right. He he may know, but does he value you less? If I'm saying that choosing you has to do with value, and I'm now going to give an example of uh, my love for Karen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Again.
0: So I had an epiphany one day (laughs) that Karen. Was uh, uh, who she was was um, I, I couldn't I couldn't not choose her right and that, in other words the value that I placed on her because of who I was and what I knew about myself and what I knew about Karen is like I want her to be my wife and. I was on the no way, no how list. <laughs> so Karen was like, "You'll make a good husband for somebody someday, just not me." She actually said that to me. So it's kind of like, talk to the hand. But I could not unchoose her. I could not unvalue her. And so what happened is, in my heart, I said, "I see the outcome, and I'm going to have to go to her wedding." and wish her husband the best because that's what I desire for her. I desire goodness and blessing for Karen. Now, Karen has free will. I'm going to do everything I can to be persuasive.
1: I'm
0: going to make sure that the puppet that I ordered six months in advance is going to show up on her doorstep on her birthday even though I'm in Africa. Right. And she's an ordinary city. It, it was, and uh, that's because I'm I'm going to try and woo her. I'm going to make myself uh, and the, and the love that I have for her apparent. You're going to lavish. I'm going to lavish that love on her, right? <laughs> Can she still not choose me? Yes. Yeah. The possibility is there. In love, you predestined her. for. <laughs> so that's what. I mean. So if if I actually said no 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 no, no. you're going to be my wife and that's just the way it is. How is that? How is that um, love from her perspective?
1: <laughs>
0: that the greatest gift that you can give in love is freedom. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. But nonetheless, in my limited sphere of reality, I could see, well, this isn't going where it, I think it's <laughs> going to go, where I desire it to go. My, uh, and, and I have uh, the handout here on God's will again. So my desiderative will, my preferential will, um, was not going to end up being reality. That's the way it looked. God, I think, chooses from the foundation of the world, and that value is there. But that people have true free will.
1: But, but if, if you if you go down that route mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you're
0: you're removing any value in God choosing because God chose everyone. Because that means and, and there are there are verses in, in scripture that actually say He chose everyone, but now you're saying. But we have to distinguish between God choosing us and putting value on us, and our response to that and being part of God's chosen. Doesn't give us any more value, right? So those that are on the team are saying, "Woohoo! Wow! Awesome! Glory!" Right? How could He have loved me this much? How could I have not seen it? Man, I want to play all out. I want to, as it says here, um, be holy and blameless before him. And this verse, in love, or that phrase, in love, there's, there's there's a couple of different ways that that's interpreted. One, it's attached to the next sentence. Two, it's attached to the former sentence. So, am I holy and blameless before him in love? Or am I holy and blameless before him and in love he predestined us? Yes. We'll get to that next time. We're out of time. <laughs> right. But we also need to talk more about this choice because you might think, heretic, he's not being a Baptist theologian. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not true. Um, I'm just trying to help you think through and wrestle through the issues because there are scripture verses that would lead to that God chooses um, chooses all. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, you do there are some right. herbs,
0: and then some there are some that say
1: common vessels. Some that's right. And
0: how do we deal with that? And we better know how we deal with that because our identity and our stand, our walk and our stand, is going to be influenced by our understanding of who we are in Christ. The I think it's good to remember
1: that you're talking about real choices. When Jesus comes up over the top of the Mount of Olives and looks down at Jerusalem, he weeps. Yes. He knows why he's here. He knows what they're going to do. And he still weeps yep. because he would rather have them do, you know, respond to the Messiah. Here.
0: But they won't. Yep. They have a real choice. We truly have a will that is free. That doesn't mean that we have an unlimited playing field of choices. I can't will something that is beyond my, my ability to create or achieve. Um, I can't will a mountain to move. God can because he created it It's the mountain, not mine. So I can't will that. Um, however, I do have control over one thing the freedom that God gave me in Christ. And I do choose. We all choose every day. it affects how we live. And I want to understand the value that God has placed on me because that affects how I live in the dark days. When I'm in that place of the muck and the mire, and that I everything goes sideways. And kind of where we started out with Psalm 40. And it ultimately will affect how we stand firm in the Lord. So we need to understand this part. And we're going to come back to it next week. Um, and we'll talk about predestination then as well. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and close a prayer. Lord, we just thank you for opportunity to come to your word and wrestle with these uh, challenging truths. Lord, we um, truly desire to know you, to know your will, and to be in accord with it. I and mean, that's the reason we're here today, is because we want to, to know and and be in awe mm-hmm. and to serve mightily uh, for you lord and we can't do that in our own in our own strength because we don't have it lord but we are in christ and we in christ um, have all of these blessings mm-hmm. lord we ask that you would be with us this week as we go out into the world um, lord that you would help us to to ponder Uh, our identity in you and what that means and how we interact with others as a result of that Lord we thank you for your protection of us we know that it's a a very dangerous world that there is an enemy of our soul who desires to to destroy us and to kill us and Lord um, so we we thank you for your protection we uh, thank you for your provision that everything that we have comes from your hand and we want to thank you for that and Lord we thank you so much for your service to us before we could even consider serving, you served us. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We uh, ask that you be with Bob this morning as he brings your word uh, to this community. And ask that uh, your spirit uh, empower that word in a mighty way. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all this. In your name we pray. Amen. We're
1: not here.